Welcome to the Simple Stories Podcast. Today's episode is titled Youngest in the Room. We're joined by David Lopez, founder and CEO of Internalize. Internalize is an online sales and emotional intelligence bootcamp built to help underrepresented communities break into sales in high demand industries. David consistently used the title of student to his advantage. He started Internalize when he was a freshman at the University of Colorado Boulder, and now as he's graduating, instead of looking for a job, he's stepping into the role he's created for himself. Here's the story of how he did it. And if you enjoy the conversation, I'd love to hear from you. The best place to find me is on Twitter at Max G. Lieberman. Let's get to it. Provided by Detour, aka Deshaun Traxon. You can find him on all social platforms, including Spotify, at prod.detour. Hey, David, thank you for, for joining me today. I'm happy to, happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Max. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm excited to, excited to chat. Absolutely. Um, and before we get into the meat of the interview, I wanted to talk about how we met first. And both of us were students at the University of the Colorado Boulder. Um, I was a sophomore and we were a part of this program called the, the peer, Peer-to-Peer Mentor Program. And I happened to be your mentor. And that first, you know, that first week or so we met. And I remember you coming up to me and, and um, I had two mentors at the time, yeah, two, two mentees at the time. You were the first one to get in contact with me, literally the first day those relationships were announced. You got in contact with me and said, Max, I want to start my business. What do I have to do? And I said, well, have you heard about the new venture challenge? And you said, I'm already signed up. <laughs> so, you know, I really think that story speaks to who you are as, as a person, just a go-getter, um, always asking first, never scared of a challenge. Um, so welcome on, onto the show. Yeah, thank you. And, and just to give my, my side of that was, you know, I'm the way I always look at you, Max, is you were my first friend on campus. You know, I, I moved to, to Boulder and never lived, you know, moved away from home before. And, you know, it was it was a whole new experience. But, you know, knowing that I could count on you and I could call on you and, you know, we had the same interests, love to play basketball, those things like, you know, that was something that allowed me to kind of ease into it and just feel a lot more comfortable going off and, you know, taking the risks and learnings that I did. So I want to thank you for that as well. Hey, we, we play off each other. I think that it's it's one of those things about, you know, surrounding yourself with with good people um, and people who push you to to be better. And, and I, I've always loved our, our relationship for that. And I've never really looked at it as a um, mentor-mentee relationship, but more of peer-to-peer just because I really didn't have to do much to, to mentor you. Um, and really from that first day, really, you started working on Internalize. So give me and, and give us the kind of elevator pitch into that, if you will, and, and let's talk about that. 
Yeah, so I, I think one thing that really transformed my experience was an opportunity to work at a startup before college. Um, it was just kind of like a random occurrence, you know, right place, right time. And someone was just like, hey, you want to come help me build literally in a garage in the townhome um, in, in the city where I'm from, Thornton. And, uh, you know, the, the guy, he was a software developer for a company in Boulder um, while he was building his own thing on the side. And so, you know, we would meet up, he would go to work, we'd meet up afterwards um, and just kind of start, you know, building. Um, we were in like the pet space, you know, for building for dogs, um, you know, but from there, more, most importantly, was like, he was like, you know, I understand I can't pay you, but I want to give you the best experience possible. And so he went out and, and he paid for me to teach myself how to code. And so that was kind of step one into me learning and understanding, okay, there's this whole other world of technology out there and I can, I, and I can be on the forefront of it. And so that's kind of where I was like, okay, I, I want to learn more, you know, and that's where Silicon Valley got brought up. And that's why I just kind of, you know, just in, embraced all of it and just brought it all in and just said, you know what, this is the moment that, you know, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to college, I'm going to make the most out of this experience. And so I want to go into it with as many tools on my tool belt as I can. And so that, you know, that, um, that startup ultimately ended up failing, but, you know, nonetheless, I was able to pull a great experience from it. And then, you know, just think about, okay, well, I had an internship before college, so I better have an internship for every summer after that. And there's no reason that I shouldn't. But when I get, when I got to see you, everyone was talking internships, internships, but it was more of like a junior year, senior, uh, you know, junior, senior thing. And I was just like, I don't know why that is. I just came off an internship and I think everyone should be getting them because I know for a fact that, if I have four internships and someone else has one, I think my chances of being hired are increased. And that was just my basic logic from, you know, it was almost my, my ignorance of, you know, not being, you know, used to being in, in college. And so, um, you know, after I kind of heard that and then I just wanted to network, I just wanted to network and network and just build that um, early on. And so here I am, I have, you know, I'm a freshman, I have this, you know, this Rolodex of amazing entrepreneurs and founders and a few investors that, you know, I know for a fact are hiring and growing their companies. And then I have all these students that I'm in classes with that are just like kind of hanging out, not really worried about internships. And I'm like, I think that I can bridge the gap, you know, and, and there was other, uh, you know, softwares, Handshake was just getting started, career buffs was a thing, you know, things like that, but they, they weren't connected to startups. And I was, I felt like I was like this liaison between, you know, startups in the Boulder community and, and students on campus. And so that's where I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see what this thing, let's see what this can be. And, you know, so, so fast forward, you know, I spent a lot of time networking, a lot of time just trying to, you know, learn how to start a business. Um, but fast forward to the, my summer going into um, uh, my sophomore year, I became the, the intern at Catalyze CU, which was the startup accelerator program. So, you know, here I am, you know, young and, and hungry, and I'm placed in, in at this group of, you know, five, amazing companies that, you know, they're figuring their things out, but they're, you know, two to three, four years older than I am. And so I'm almost able to not only sit in on the program and watch everything happen. I'm also talking to all the mentors because I'm facilitating everything, but I'm letting them know who I am too. Cause I'm not just some intern. I'm also, you know, this founder that's going to come out. They just didn't know it yet. Um, but then, you know, just, I got to, you know, see a lot of the mistakes that those other founders made and, you know, they, they were, they were willing to teach me. And that's just my mindset has always been, if you're willing to teach, I'm willing to learn because I understand that I will never have everything figured out. But if, if I can learn from someone else's mistakes and they're willing to share that with me in, in hopes that I don't have to go through what they went through, 
by all means, I, I want to take advantage of that. And now, I mean, thankfully, I'm on the other side of that where I want to help founders, you know, save save some time and, and some hurt from the mistakes I've made. But, you know, nonetheless, that community that Boulder fostered was just everything I never knew I needed. You know, when choosing colleges, I really want to go to uh, college in L.A. But I think the L.A.'s vibe around entrepreneurship would have been a lot different than what I experienced in Boulder. And I genuinely don't think that internalized is internalized if I'm in LA, you know? And so I just think that it was just like this weird mix of just like, you know, good timing, good effort, and me just wanting to put good energy into the world because I just want to learn. And then if I can help some people out in the meantime, by all means, like that's just exactly where I want to be, you know? So um, internalized has just, you know, been something that is not what it used to be, but I think it took a long, a long time and a, you know, a lot of lessons learned. And I mean, I've, I've failed, I've 100% failed, you know, but that, what I did with it was what ultimately mattered. I could have, you know, just said, all right, well, you know, that that's that. I'm just going to go and be a college student now. But instead I chose to know, you know, we what, what can we learn from this failure and how can we take those next steps? And I mean, you know, thankfully I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we did. Right. And so what has internalized pivoted to now? Yeah. So we're a, a 12-week sales and emotional intelligence boot camp built to launch underserved communities such as minorities and veterans into careers in sales and high demand industries. And you just hit a, a big milestone, right? We just hit a big milestone. Indeed. We, um, we are six weeks out after uh, our first cohort and we have officially placed 100% of the students that participated in the program, meaning that they are already in the role or they have offers um, from the roles in which they, they applied to. Um, and, and our last student, um, you know, she was literally a bartender 18 weeks ago, Had, hadn't, you know, had any intro into tech, hadn't done any of that, excuse me, and now she's working at one of the fastest growing startups in Denver, and she tripled her income, you know, and, and we had limited resources in that first one. So imagine what we're going to do when we, when we get the resources to give the students the experience that they deserve, um, you know, so we're, I've been working on internalized going on three years now, but it, I think it's safe to say that we're just getting started. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about this for a minute too, because, you know, you described this, this windy road, if you will, that you went through to get to that first success, right? Where you are now, you've, you've, that's a big milestone placing all, all your students. Um, and, you know, when you were on that road, were there times when you were kind of sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I want to keep going or I should really try something totally different? Walk me through the, the mentality that you might have had when you when you started it to where you are now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a I wouldn't say it's an everyday battle, but it's something that, you know, I definitely think about a lot is, you know, here I am working on this company I've been building and building in three years. And, you know, it's almost like there's like this, this, this time or this alarm that's like, Hey, I'm about to graduate college. And when I do, you know, I, I don't, I can't necessarily just fall back on, you know, this savings or my salary or anything. Cause I don't have any of that. And so for me, it's just like, you know, it's, it's been so long in the making and these lessons have been so hard and, and, you know, we fought to get to where we're at. Um, but then at the same time, it's just like, I'm still so young. I could, you know, maybe put this aside and come back to it later or something, you know, so there's that thought. Then there's the thought of, 
you know, hey, every moment that there's not a boot camp running, students are dropping out of school because they can't afford it. And now they're dropping out of the, you know, potentially going into the workforce. And so it's like, that is kind of something that also eats at me, but that eats at me more than any other thought. And so that's why I'm just like, you know, because at the end of the day, like what we're working on is, is, is bigger than me, you know, and, and that's a, it took me a long time to understand that because I, and I think once I understood that myself as an entrepreneurial leader, I was able to grow and kind of separate this ego that I had versus, you know, before, like, I, I think I needed the ego to get started, but you know, the, the ego is one of those things that can't stay in, in building a business. And especially if you're going to be building a team, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, there, there's always this, you know, almost internal battle that I go through around, you know, when is too long? And then it's like, but I think I should stay patient too, because I think that we're, you know, we're really onto something. So it, it, it's been an interesting battle, but, you know, I, I think that at the end of the, uh, the end of the day, just understanding that, you know, I'm, my impact can hopefully change people's lives. And, you know, just seeing our last student be hired, her life will never be the same, you know, and, and to know that we played a, a role in that, you know, means everything. And it's just like this whole new injection of confidence and, and just, you know, understanding that, you know, we're not done yet and we gotta, we gotta keep going. And, and I think we're, we're closer than, than we might, than we have ever been. But at the same time, it's like, we don't have it yet. So, you know, we're hungry. Yeah. I, and I love that. I love that perspective. It's, it's raw, it's new. Um, and some of it probably comes from, and how old are you now? 22. 22. So let's pretend you were 18, 19 when you started internalize. I'm not even going to assume that you were the youngest person in most of the rooms that you were in when you were starting this. I already have an idea that you were probably one of the youngest people in the room. How did you manage that? And how did you kind of uh, use that? What was your relationship with that, um, you know, inexperience being the youngest person in the room? Yeah, I mean, I, at first it was mind blowing. Because, you know, I, I got to see you and, and you know, here I am, uh, you know, I come from this, you know, low income background where, you know, when, when I got to, if, if I had to pay for school, there's no way I was able to afford it, you know? And so when I got here, I knew that when I got the, the full ride scholarship, I knew that I had to make the most of it. There was no, no other thought in my head, except I'm very, you know, very blessed to be here. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the absolute most because those people decided to believe in me. And so when I pulled into these rooms and I am the youngest person, I'm just like, where's everyone else? Like, why aren't you guys all trying to, you know, make the most of it? And then obviously understanding that, you know, everyone has their, their own journey. And so, you know, that was something that, you know, I, I learned as well. It's like, Hey, not everyone's an entrepreneur and not everyone's going to be able to make it to these meetings. And, you know, not everyone is going to, to do what I want to do. And, and so I, I, you know, came to terms with that, but I think once I did that, I also realized I need to, I need to take advantage of this you know, he hearing people that I look up to and I talk to them and they're like, dang, I wish I was like you when I was your age. Okay, cool. Well, if, if you're like you at your age, I wonder what I could do then, you know? And so that was just like this confidence in myself. That's like, all right, cool. I need to continue to stay after it because, you know, I might not be competing against, you know, the entrepreneurs in, in Boulder or Denver, but I know for a fact that there's, you know, entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, New York City, Austin, Boston, that are my age that are going after things that, you know, I want to compete with those, those kids, you know, because those kids are the ones that are starting the billion dollar companies and everything. And I know that if I want to get started, uh, I got to get started, you know, while I'm young. And, and that's why, 
spent so much time just building the network. I didn't even know fully, you know, what internalized was going to be, how we were going to make money. None of that. I was just saying, Hey, I'm a kid with an idea and I'm going to go after it. And people, you know, kind of hopped on my, hopped on my train and were just like, okay, well, yeah, like, let me know how I can help, you know? And, and I really like going back to giving credit to the city of Boulder. I think that's the give first that Techstars brings, you know, as everyone was just like, oh, you're a student. Yeah, I'll meet with you. So I was just like, okay, well, I haven't been told no yet. So I'm just going to keep reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, you know, and I, to this day, can't think of many people, many times that I've been told no in terms of getting a meeting, you know? And so it's just like, if, if I'm willing to put in the work, I think I, you know, I can't get what I don't ask for. And so, you know, it's not all the time that, that it works, but when it does, it's like, this is, this is great. And I think a lot more students should be going after it. Um, if, if this is the realm that they want to go into, but definitely building the network has kind of set the stage for allowing other things to kind of come into place because, you know, I, I kind of think about it all the time. It's just like, you know, we're, we just need to talk to this one person. And then I go and look in my network and it's one of my mentors is connected to them, you know, and it's just like, that's, you know, it took me 10 minutes to set that up, but it took, you know, three years of me building my network to be able to confidently, you know, tap into those kinds of individuals. And, and there's two things here that I think are really interesting. The first one is, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about your approach to networking because it works, right? You've been able to connect with a lot of different people and people are willing to sit down and have these conversations with you. And two, you've also shown that it's possible. It takes time, maybe it takes three years to really get a first success or, or, or prove a concept, prove an idea, but it is possible. Um, so first talk to me about, about networking and, and, and how you've approached that. And then we'll, we'll kind of get into the, you know, how have you made it possible? What did you have to overcome to really kind of realize some of these um, dreams? But what is networking been for you? What does it mean? Because there's a really, there's a stigma around it. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, there's definitely a, the stigma around it. Um, you know, whereas for me, I'm, I'm very, very selective on, on who I spend my time with. Right. In, in high school, I had more teachers that were mentors than I had friends. You know, I, I chose to become close with my, my teachers, you know, like I, I, I loved that education aspect of it. And I understood that they were going to, you know, how they were the meaningful relationships that I wanted to build, you know, and, and so kind of moving, moving forward a little bit more is to me, networking is, is building meaningful relationships in which we can benefit each other. You know, I think that some people look at networking as transactional. And so when it's transactional, it almost becomes like a chore or almost becomes like a, you know, oh, I have to do this or I'm required to do this, which I don't think forced networking should should be a thing because, you know, at the end of the day, you're going out to build these relationships, not for that moment right then and there, but for a moment in 10 weeks when something comes up and you want to tap into them for their area of expertise or something, but also understanding that, hey, in 10 weeks, they might need you. And you got to be there. If, if you expect them to be there, you got to be there too. You know, and, and so that that going into it with the mutually beneficial idea at all times is like, hey, you can be, you know, you can serve a great purpose in my life. And I'd love to serve any kind of purpose in your life and understanding that I don't have a lot to, to offer, but if you need anything, let me know. You know, and, and that's kind of that first one. But then I would say what drives all my networking is is my curiosity. 
you know, is going back to that. I understand I, I don't know everything. And I understand that you spent years learning this craft and learning how to run a company or learning how to invest in, in founders or, you know, building a company and operating. I, you've spent years doing that. I have these questions. Would you be willing to answer them for me? Because I just want to learn. I have, you know, no other interest in, in anything else except I just want to learn, um, you know, and, and definitely playing the, the student card. You know, it, it's a thing, right? We are students, so take advantage of it, use it, and and that kind of st will step into it because I'll go into those those meetings, a student, and I'll come out and they'll look at me as a founder, which is what I want all the time. You know, is is because yeah, like I am a student, but I'm also you know I'm I'm a hustler. I I go I'm a go getter. I I get it. I'm a founder, and I I want to be known as a founder, but I I need to get into those meetings first. And so there's definitely a an almost like an art or like a science to getting the meetings. But then, of course, how you conduct yourself and how you handle yourself and what you pull from them are, you know, everything that that matters beyond just that that initial meeting. And being a student is a mindset, right? We can be students forever as long as we're learning. But but it could also be a crutch, right? You could lean, oh, I'm just a student. I can't start a business yet. And so getting into this aspect of it's possible, right? when you're in college to do these things. And again, not everyone is interested in spending a majority of their time working on a business. But there are people who are, who maybe are dealing with fear, right? Um, they, they wanna start something, but they don't know how to start it, right? And, and so, so talk to me about like those, those first steps, um, what it means to like get up in the morning and say, um, I believe I can make this company. Um, you know, those small little habits. Yeah, I think my, you know, if we were to start all over again, the the first steps by far would be talk talking to the customers, right? You could, um, you know, you could always talk about it, right? You could tell your mom and your mom's going to love it because your mom loves all your ideas because you're her baby. That's fine. You know, that's, that's, that's expected, right? You can tell your friends, your friends are, they might get it and they might think that it's a great idea, but they're your friends. They're also there to support you. At the end of the day, you, you know, talking, you know, if you have this idea and you want to go out and, and build it, you know, save yourself some time and talk to those customers. The, the actual people that would take their wallet, open it up and give you money. Those are the first people you should be talking to and running your idea by. Because at the end of the day, if they don't like it, they're not going to buy it. And if they don't buy it, there's not a business there, you know, a business only becomes a business once you get, once you get money in the door. And so in order to take that first step is, you know, of course you might just want to, if you're you know, an engineer, you might just want to go and build it because you can, or, you know, if you're a business person, you might just want to go and, uh, you know, build a business plan and do everything else first. But it's important to kind of just take a step back, take a deep breath and understand who you're going to sell to and just have those, you know, first initial conversations you know, and, and in all those conversations, you know, just like in sales, you should be listening way more than, than you're speaking. Your customers should be designing your product for you. And you should be taking notes like crazy because they're the ones that you're designing for, not what you think is right. Because on the first, you know, first version of internalized, I thought I had it figured out, you know, but I was one data point and that's, that's a big mistake that I, that I took, you know, it took me three months to realize that because I was like, what do you mean? Like I'm, I'm the perfect candidate. Then I was like, wait, like not everyone has had an internship before college. Not everyone is thinking about internships. I have a whole other, you know, couple of hills to get over before I can even tap into them. And so that means I need to understand who they are, 
And so, you know, that, that first kind of hurdle is, is talking to those customers and making sure that it's going to be worth your time to do it because you might have an, an idea that you're passionate about and you spend two years on it. And then you're like, oh yeah, like here it is customers. And they're like, no, we didn't want that. We didn't want red. We wanted blue. And, you know, we didn't want four, we wanted eight, you know, and then you're just like, well, now here I am with all of this and, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a product and it might work, but that doesn't mean that people are going to buy it. Right. Yeah. And, and getting to know your customers, I think is consistently one of the, whether it's mistakes or pieces founders wish they did better early on, it's consistently up there. It's like, I wish I started talking to my consumers earlier. Um, and I would guess now that you're working with students, you're working with companies, you've kind of built that feedback loop. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it's something that, you know, we've, even this past cohort, we understood that we, we need more of it and we need it faster, you know? And, and so, you know, minimizing the, the friction to, for our students to be able to give us feedback was, you know, something that's really important for us because at the end of the day, if our students aren't having the, you know, and we specifically built the company to be like this, where we are sharing the incentives with the students that if they're not having the best experience possible, not only are we cheating them, we're cheating us, you know, and, and that's not always easy to just be like, you know, Hey, Hey Max, you know, how's your, how's your experience going? And you just say good. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Well, that does, what does good mean? Why isn't it great? You know, talk to me about why it's not great and, and let me know what I need to be doing to increase your, your experience. But that was something that I, we lacked last cohort. We did, you know, but you better believe this next cohort, it, you know, we might over communicate, but if we have to pull back a little bit, fine. But at least we, you know, we learned how, uh, how impactful that communication, that feedback loop will be because, you know, things, things change. And, and, you know, one of the benefits of choosing us over, you know, maybe a traditional degree is that we move fast. We move with our market, you know, in a, in a post pandemic world, we're going to be able to talk directly with those companies and say, look, things have changed. Now, you know, now you got to do at home 50% in, in the office 50%. Maybe that's what that looks like. Well, we're going to be able to do all of that with those companies because, yeah, we, we are talking back and forth and we're building for them too. You know, so it's, it's uh, that feedback loop, you know, you, you said it is, you know, critical to, to the success of our students, but, you know, of course, also um, ours, ours as well. And, and one of the things that I think is kind of interesting too is is talking to come up to customers getting the feedback loop as you've mentioned where does ego kind of fit into that because you mentioned ego may have helped you start but you had to kind of tackle that a little bit so so talk to me about your relationship with ego versus confidence and how you've kind of had to um, address that yeah i mean it's it's something that especially when i'm you know meeting uh you know i VP of, of talent acquisition for a company that's public, right? A public, publicly traded company. I've had those meetings, right? And I, and I'm in there and I'm just like, all right, they're, they're meeting with me to meet with me. Right. But in my head, I'm like, all right, I got to shave off this student side of me. I got to shave off this 22 year old side of me. And I just really got to put on the, you know, Hey, I'm a founder and I'm running internalized and I am the best person to be running this company because I, you know, I'm passionate about this and this is, you know, who I am. And so, you know, that's, that's like a almost, you know, like, a, I'm like, you see Mambo mentality, uh, the book behind me, you know, that's, that's where that comes in is like, okay, at the end of the day, you know, my work ethic and the work that I've put in will, will come out and, and that will show, you know, there's, 
I have to, my confidence comes from my, my work ethic. You know, it doesn't come from anyone hyping me up or anything like that, because I think that's where the ego comes in. And so in, in all these meetings, I try to keep the ego out of it and just be as selfless as possible because I, I want to serve our customers. And I want to make sure that, you know, not only are they being, you know, getting access to the best student talent, but that they're also having the best experience with me and our team when, you know, cause we are developing developing these relationships and they're not one-off transactions. These are, you know, one of our companies is going from uh, 150 employees to 300 and, you know, about 40% of them are, are going to be within sales. And so because of that, we have a big opportunity to fill a lot of, a lot of demand. Obviously it's going to be up to us to keep up with that, but you know, if we're not maintaining that relationship, you know, we might lose that and they, you know, they can go anywhere else and go recruit, you know? And, and so for us, it's important to, you know, take this step back, understand that our, our work ethic and the work that we've put in has have gotten us here, which is gives us that confidence and then getting rid of the ego and understanding that, you know, I'm not serving myself or my team, I'm serving our customers, which happen to be the company partners and, and that VP of acquisition, as well as, you know, one of our students that, you know, is, is in their first week. Do you view yourself as an underdog? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, just who I am naturally, I'm, ultra competitive you know i'm ultra competitive i i love to play sports you know and and you know now that it's just like um sports aren't as readily available anymore unfortunately because of the pandemic i have to shift this into something you know and and so i i don't expect everyone to get my idea and to you know help want to work on it with me or to do anything from I, I don't expect any of it but at the end of the day i we're gonna get it done you know and it's just you know of course when and anyone steps up to help we, we bring them in and, and, you know, we, we want to nurture that relationship, but we don't expect anything from, from anyone. And, and the reason I ask is because I have this kind of growing theory that successful underdogs now, you know, there are unsuccessful underdogs, but the successful underdogs are the ones who actually use validation as kind of like an anti-fuel right? Where it's like, I don't care that nobody's validating me. I'm going to keep working. Whereas when you're the best player in the world, when you're the company, everybody's giving you that validation, right? And my kind of idea is that a lot of people, when they start companies or they start their side projects, they expect to receive all that validation right from the start. And then when they don't, they stop after one or two efforts, and so I, I think that it's it, that mentality, you know, the Mamba mentality is one that, hey, I'm going to keep working on my craft and not care about what other people think. Well, and, and I think, you know, something that I've I've learned because I, I 100 percent agree with that, that, you know, it's just like I'm a, you know, an underrepresented 22 year old from Thornton, Colorado founder trying to build a big, you know, big company, right? Billion dollar company is, is always the goal, you know, but people from Thornton don't get, you know, don't become crazy successful entrepreneurs, you know, 22 year olds usually don't become crazy successful entrepreneurs. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Hispanic and, you know, Latino Latinx um, founders, you know, don't become crazy successful. And so it's like, I've, I've already, I've always had these kind of things coming back at me but you know again going into my competitiveness is just like what am I going to do about it you know it's like the the Lamar Jackson thing it's like nobody cares work harder 
I 100% agree with that. You know, I, I can't let any disadvantages or, you know, anything like that hold me back because at the end of the day, just as much, just as much as I have disadvantages, I also have some of my own competitive advantages. And so I want to be able to tap into those. And, and that's what, you know, where I keep my eyes and where I keep my focus and understanding that, yeah, you know, chances are, or, you know, odds are against me, but you know what, like, I wasn't supposed to be at CU. I wasn't supposed to be on a full ride scholarship, you know, so I've, I've overcome these things, you know, and, and so, you know, the, the founder and the entrepreneurship, something that I'm passionate about, bring it on, you know, like I have no, I have no reason to not go after it. And, and you mentioned something that's really important there. Um, you know, your heritage, your culture, um, what is the importance of, of, you know, supporting other minorities and diversity, you know, internalized is a, is a really big stepping stone for a lot of people who don't have access to certain opportunities. How has that fueled you? How has that, you know, been important to you? Talk to me a little bit about, about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, you know, interesting in, in trying to find a, the market that I wanted to to serve right because at first it started with college students because I was like oh these people you know these people are here they're like me but then I kind of took a step back and was like not everyone is is like me you know not everyone is is coming from the low-income background that I'm coming from and and I mean of course there are the students that are, that are within you know those realms and I still want to help those students but then I'm like there's other students that need way more help than what we're given at you know big university and so you know, me being able to kind of take that step back and then also, you know, just understanding that there's multiple students that, you know, I know personally that couldn't go to a big school and that deserves to because of things that are outside of their control. And that's kind of where this, unfortunately, that's kind of where our culture kind of comes into it, you know, for, you know, for um, the, the Latin community, you know, it's like there's there's a big emphasis placed on families and taking care of families, you know, and, and people, you know, not not venturing out to go off to college anywhere because they want to be close to their family. I was like that, too. That's why I didn't go to California. That's why I stayed in Colorado. But I, I took a little bit of that step. And now it's like we're, we're in a position where it's like, I get it. You want to help your family, but you can do that and have an amazing job at it, too. Like you like that does, you can live in a world where that coexists. Now, obviously it's easier said than done, especially when things, you know, when, if people are more traditional and, you know, there's, there's a barrier to overcome, but it's possible, you know, and, and that's what we're proving true. And so I, I think at this point, it's like, we need, we just need to share our testimonies. We need to, sh you know, show that it works and that it's possible for these individuals to break off and keep their main motivations, which may be taking care of their family, you know? And so you can do both. It's just, you know, we got to figure out what that perfect messaging looks like. Right. Right. And it takes time, you know, that takes time and, and development. The fact that you're ready in the market, getting that feedback loop, as we talked about, it's going to come. And one of the things I, I want to go back to the start that you mentioned, I thought was really interesting was about that first internship where you said you worked for free. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if you've heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this guy, Robert Kiyosaki, he wrote this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he actually talks about how the biggest mistake young people make is becoming reliant on money for a job and a salary or whatever it is. And, you know, he, he said that 
um, you know, his mentor or his rich dad in the book took him on as like kind of a, a mentee and, you know, employed him at his job. But he said, Robert, I'm not going to pay you because the minute I start paying you, you think like an employee. So, so talk to me a little bit about, about that and how, you know, working for free, you know, has kind of maybe, maybe you didn't even realize it, but kind of pushed you in ways to become a founder and say, I can, you know, take that step. I mean, has that been something you've, you've thought about at all? Oh yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously there's like these legal regulations right around like free labor and all of that stuff. But beyond, but beyond that, uh, when we were first starting internal lunch for the internships, I was like, there's no reason why you shouldn't have an unpaid internship because you know, if you're having an unpaid internship, that most likely means that the, you know, the startup that you're going to be working at is just laser focused and they're kind of, you know, they're on the brink of something and you want to be there for that something. If it clicks way more than you want to have a consistent, you know, $15 an hour, you know, whatever that may be at that point in time. Yeah. That money is great. And, you know, I, I had to I had to work a second job when I was doing that un, unpaid internship just because I you know I didn't have any other money but you know like I said I, I was hustling regardless like you know no one no one could take that from me and so you know I, I understand that it almost sounds a little privileged to say like oh yeah just you know if you do just unpaid internships because um, I understand that, that that's you know not the case but um, you know taking it on as like an additional you know side project or you know whatever I think is so valuable. Um, and if you can do it, I 100% recommend it because, you know, the the money can't teach you those lessons around building a company in the earliest stages and figuring these things out and, you know, working on that team and trusting each other and all of those things where it's like, we're not consumed by money. Because I think once, you know, money starts coming in, yeah, people are like, all right, well, I'll, I'll do that. But are you going to for sure be able to pay me this week? Well, it's like, well, if you would have done that, that would have went off and, and taught you that, you know, you're actually a big player in this team and that when money does come you will be the first one but until then just keep working at it you know and, and so yeah there's definitely this whole you know I, I've never gotten comfortable with with just settling down just for money you know my my ambition is is too crazy too you know too out there for me to just kind of take a step back and you know just work just to bring in a paycheck that's that's something that kind of scares me honestly that's a good perspective um and not many people, not many people have it. And, and I think it's, it's really, you know, inspiring to see you doing what you're doing. You know, I'm a proud, if I can be a mentor, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a very, very proud mentor. Um, you know, because in doing so, you've shown me it's possible for me to, to take on an entrepreneurship role, start these kinds of things, you know, even if you didn't know it. Uh, I always wanted to to be an entrepreneur, but I was I always was a little bit scared, um, and I know that you probably dealt with fear too. But the fact that you overcame it showed me that there was a way, and that it was possible because you continually keep knocking on that door. So, I wanted to wrap up here with, um, you know, what is your advice for young entrepreneurs who might be listening, and then we'll get into. Um, you know, what's top of mind for you? What's next for David? What's next for internalize? But first, what's your advice for young entrepreneurs? Yeah, definitely. You know, beyond talking to the customers, which is the most important thing is to to just launch, 
right? If you have, you talk to your customers and, and, you know, they heard, they, you know, listened to you and, you know, they were giving you the right signals in terms of, Hey, this, this would be something I would buy. And I would pay, you know, $50 a month for it. Okay, cool. Now you have that early validation, but now start testing, 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 get it in front of them, let them play with it, let them break it, let them do all of that. Because at the end of the day, you know, and, and this was a, one of the most recent lessons that I've learned was to just launch, right? Because back in, let's see, we launched in September. So even back in August, we early August, we had plans set to not launch our first cohort until May of 2021. That's not stale for, you know, three months. And we would have not learned all these crazy lessons, got revenue in the door, got these placements, had we just been like, oh no, it just needs to look pretty. It needs to look prettier. It needs to, you know, it, it needs to, you know, not be so buggy and it needs to just, you know, no, that's uh, uh like when, when later, you know, iteration five or six, yeah, start to worry about that kind of stuff. But until then it's not going to be perfect and it never will be until your, your customers get to play with it. And like I said, most importantly, break it because only then did we see what we actually need to fix? And even, hey, this is working amazing. We're going to double down on this. And then, hey, uh-uh, we learned this one the hard way that it, it didn't go, but now we can take it out and we can fix it. But if we, you know, we're just kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs and designing more and more, you know, we wouldn't have known all these things and we would have wasted, literally wasted like seven months of, of time that I, we don't have. Because again, you know, if this startup doesn't exist, there's people that, you know, fall out of the workforce and so um yeah that that launch is is the number one thing and um you know it it it, it will never feel ready it's just the number one thing to take from that is like you'll, you'll never be ready but you know what getting it out there is is when you'll you know if you're ready to learn that's the best opportunity that's how you become ready right is you fail because that's the only way you can really learn so i wanted to hand over the floor to you um, if there was anything on top of mind that you wanted to, to talk about, um, if there was anything you want to talk about, what's coming next for internalize, what's next for David Lopez, any big, exciting news upcoming, I wanted to give you the opportunity. The floor is yours. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're just in this, we're in this grind mode right now where we're fixing everything that went wrong from this last cohort. And, you know, granted we hit a hundred percent and, you know, that's, we set a high standard for ourselves and we're going to continue to go after it. But we also, you know, learned a ton. We learned so much that, you know, we're, we're kind of revamping. We kind of scrapped the old curriculum and built in a completely new one. Um, the, the student experience is, is different and it's, you know, it's, it's better. Um, and so that's just kind of the, this, this phase in which we're in, you know, where in a, in a perfect world, you know, the, the next few months look like, you know, us getting this, this new curriculum in place. Um, we have some pretty big partnerships in the works right now that I can't fully talk about, but if we do, they're going to be, they're going to be game changing. Um, and, you know, and, and that's pretty much what we'll need to go ahead and, and start our fundraise um, to, to have money in the door by May, which, you know, I graduate first week of May and then, you know, hopefully can, can ride off in, into the summer with, you know, a cohort working or, you know, a cohort running currently, um, and, and hopefully, you know, some more, some more money in the bank to be able to, to continue to grow this thing out. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's just awesome to see where you've been and where you are now. And if I had to, you know, place one word on, on your journey outside looking in, it's patience. 
you know, and you know, but but consistent, but mixed with consistency, daily action with patience. And I think that that's such a powerful message I get from your story. And I'm, I, I got to say, I appreciate hearing that from you because oh, that I'm very impatient. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's, I appreciate to, to see that, you know, and, and it's just, you know, I guess maybe more on like a day to day, I'm just super impatient or, or what it may be. But um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I think that that's one of my things is like, I need to be more patient. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't think impatience is a bad thing. It's just about the balance, right? Because if you were too patient, you might let opportunities go by. You might not take action because you're just on being patient, right? There's that story about, you know, somebody's drowning in the water and, um, you know, a boat comes by and says, hey, do you need some help? And he says, no, you know, the Lord will save me. And the boat goes by. And then there's, you know, another boat that comes by and same thing happens. All of a sudden he drowns and, you know, he gets faced with God and, and God says, um, or the man says, why didn't you save me? He's like, I sent three boats your way. <laughs> so, so I think there's a lesson in there not to be um, overly patient, but to use that impatience as fuel um, because uh, it's like complacency is the enemy of, of success. Yeah. And, and I, I think you hit it right on. Um, you know, I, I, I really felt it when you said about the balance, you know, and, and I think that's the key to, to everything, you know, it's, it's finding that balance between, you know, ego and confidence. There's a balance between, you know, that, that discipline and, taking risks, you know, there's a balance, you know, there's, I, I think that's just what a lot of everything comes back to and um, understanding that, you know, you don't always have to be in balance, but just that, hey, there's a balance you should strive to, to go after, um, I think can, can really help, you know, clear some things up for people. And that's just in general, not even, you know, in business, I mean, of course, in business, but, you know, just more of like a thing to kind of take a step back, because, you know, there's no way I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm, if I'm not, in a, if I'm, if David Lopez isn't happy, you know, and, and, and that's, that will always be number one, you know, to then allow me to go after my number two. And, and, you know, just to take that a step further to this, this idea of balance, right? If we imagine like a, a seesaw or a scale, right? Most entrepreneurs, they do something and it's severely out of balance, maybe, you know, work-life balance or something. So they overcorrect and then, you know, it swings the other way and then they overcorrect again, but eventually they get to this point where they figure it out and and they're able to figure out balance, but it doesn't happen immediately. It happens over time. And as you said, it's something to strive for. It's not um, something that's really ever going to happen necessarily because it's. I was going to say it, it took me 22 months of building internalized to find the balance in which I'm not overworking myself and I keep my mental health in check 22 months you know and and the the months you know leading up to it were they were hard you know but i was like i don't know what it is i don't know what it is. i'm just gonna keep doing it but then i was like i can't be me if i'm not you know right right in my head i can't be the ceo if i'm you know i can't be the ceo of internalized if i'm not even the ceo of myself and and that was something that you know i i had to take a step back but when i did and I, you know, I understood that I got to have a little bit more patience and, you know, I got to find this balance. And only now am I a better entrepreneur, 
you know, but I, I was just blinded by that early on, you know, but it, but it took 22 months of, and, you know, long 22 months to figure it out. But now I can look forward and understand that I have to take care of me first and then I can take care of, you know, everything else that needs to be done. But it, it all starts internally first. And so a big part of this podcast is really about um, exploring mental health in a new way, um, talking with with people who are, um, you know, founders, artists, creatives, because I think those groups are, you know, predominantly have very significant struggles with mental health. So talk to me a little bit about about your mental health. How are you doing? What do you do to make sure that you stay on top of it? Take care of yourself? Um, what are some of those daily practices? Yeah, I'm 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 good. I'm healthy. I, I feel good. You know, I, I love waking up and, you know, being able to just work on internalize. And, you know, that's that's what keeps me going. But um, I would say number one that, you know, is helps me stay sane is just my ability to continue learning. Um, you know, if if I'm scrolling on social media, it's because I'm literally, you know, I've ch- changed all of my who I follow to just be investors and founders um, and, you know, people that I aspire to be like. And so if I am, you know, just scrolling, it's, I'm seeing their, what they're dropping, you know? And so that I'm, I'm learning there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to learn more about our market. And so, you know, but that's just even just um, my major is real estate. I love learning about real estate too, to take my mind off of, you know, internalize because I have to have more interest than what, you know, my work is not fully me. And so, you know, understanding, um, you know, h- how that all plays out. But then, you know, I would say the the next one, the one that's most recent is my ability to just wake up and work out in the morning. You know, that's, that's one that's, you know, I understand, I kind of took for granted part of the pandemic. And then I kind of slipped, slipped into, you know, uh, an, an area of, you know, inactivity. But, you know, just recently, um, you know, I kind of bought into the hype and, and I got a Peloton. And, you know, it, it, it was something that was just like, you know what, like health is wealth, you know, like just because I'm 22 doesn't mean I'm young, you know, I'm out of shape. And so, you know, I'm, I just hit my, my three week streak, you know, ever since I got it and I'm just, I feel good. I feel, I feel clear. I, you know, I'm, I'm just like, this was something that I needed to, you know, now I have this routine every morning where I'm able to just wake up, get after it, go after the day. And then, you know, in my day to day, even when I am working, I'm always learning. And that's just something that, you know, personally keeps me going and, and just being able to, you know, also have a support system, right, of, of people and individuals that are, are able to just kind of sit there. And, you know, if you want to have a discussion, they'll have a discussion. If you want some feedback, you'll get feedback. If you just want to rant, they'll just listen. Right. And, and I understand that not everybody has that. Um, but, you know, that is something that definitely plays a big role for me and just understanding that, you know, I, I have a lot on my plate. But, I, you know, I'm also, you know, sometimes able to kind of, you know, offload that onto people that are close to me that, you know, are, are, that I trust, um, you know, to, to be there for me because, you know, I got a lot of thoughts going through my mind had a lot of, you know, a lot of the time. And, you know, sometimes I just need to talk about it. And, and that's something that, you know, is, is healthy for me. Yeah, that's so important just to be able to talk to people. Um, and I know a lot of people are frustrated and feeling out of it because of the pandemic and it feels like lost a lot of touch with people and it's been hard to um to talk and i feel like there's this element of self-isolation where because we feel so alone we start to feel like oh we're lonely but i think that there are opportunities when you're alone 
where if you can change your relationship with being alone and with loneliness, you can actually use it as a time to grow and focus on yourself. Oh yeah, 100%. It, it's, it's easier said than done. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm still going through it, you know, but 100, 100%, um, you know, there's, I've, I have had days where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm alone and I'm just like, all right, then I'm just going to do everything I have to do all right now. You know? And then there's also days where it's just like, dang, like, I don't want to be alone, you know? And, and so it's, yeah, you know? And, and so, yeah, it's just, um, that balance, right? <laughs> it always comes back to it. I think that's what, you know, cause there are things in life we don't want to do, right? Taxes, who, who wants to sit down and, and do their taxes? Well, if you're making money, you got to do your taxes. So it's about, it's about finding balance. Um, so David, I just wanted to again say thank you so much for, for joining us on this podcast. Where can your, where can people find you? Yeah, Max, I appreciate you. And um, I'm on, uh, I guess all, all my social media handles are uh, David G Lopez underscore. Um, and then the website is internalized.co, uh, just CO, not, not the M. Um, and then email is david at internalized.co. Um, and, you know, any, always happy to be a resource for, for your listeners. Um, you know, if they can tap into me or want to tap into me, by all means, you know, I'm, that's what I'm here for. So, um, but Max, I appreciate you bringing me on today. Um, it's amazing to see what, what you've done in such a short period of time. And I'm happy to have gotten in on, on the ground floor because I know that it's only going up. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to continue to watch your progress and, um, you know, hopefully we can do a, a part two, um, you know, later on after, you know, we've both made some more progress. Absolutely. Hey, we'll definitely have to do a check-in on one of these. And um, at some point we'll, we'll do like a clubhouse, um, ask all kind of session. Yep. You know? uh, I'm like, if you're on clubhouse, Maya, I did get the David Lopez at, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I um, I since my Twitter is Max G Lieberman. I chose my clubhouse to be Max G Lieberman. Too. One's good though, like because you you got the Twitter one good. You know, I I don't want any underscores or anything, but name of the game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I feel that. So, David, thank you so much, um, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to staying in touch. So, see you soon.